Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Water Trio Astrology Podcast. I'm here with my dear friends and colleagues, Alicia and Cassandra, and we are going to chat about some of the main astrological events happening for the two-week period starting Monday, August 17, running right through to Sunday, August 30th. So basically the second half of the month, which features a few things. Um, I guess I can just give a quick overview. We're going to talk about the new moon in Leo today. We're going to talk about Mercury moving into Virgo. Virgo. We're going to, of course, talk about Mars squaring Saturn, which is happening the exact hit. And we're also going to touch on Venus opposite uh, Jupiter. Now, this is by no means everything that's happening astrologically in the two-week period. It's all we have time for. By the time we have a few laughs and a bit of chit-chat, we always like to pick some of our um, favorite aspects in the two-week period, but also some of the things we think that you really want to make sure you know about. How are you both doing? Yeah. Good. Really good. <laughs> in, amongst, in amongst packing frenzy, it's good to be chatting with you gals. That's right, Lisa. You're getting ready to move house, aren't you? Yep. That's very exciting. It's been a long yes. time coming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How are and you, gals? Cass, you've got some beautiful sunflowers in the background. I do, yeah. I bought them a little while ago and they're just really lasting, which is kind of what Leo does. So <laughs> Very symbolic. Um, yeah, so, yeah, then brighten things up a little bit in here, which is nice. Lovely. And so the first astro thing we're going to chat about this week is something really positive or astrologically considered good, which is the new moon in Leo coming up on Tuesday, August 18, and that'll be Wednesday, August 19 for our listeners in Australia. The new moon's about 26 degrees of Leo. I'm really excited about this new moon because it's the first lunation in a while. Well, it's the first kind of new moon that's really like a, a clear it's just a new moon doing new moon things kind of thing. So it's a great new moon for that sort of classic fresh start, looking forward. But what are you gals thinking about this new moon? Are you excited? Are you not excited? Um, I'm looking at the fact, well, a couple of things. First off, anytime you've got the new moon in Leo, you've got the moon looking to the sun. So it's always that interesting kind of, okay, what's subconscious, what's semi-conscious, what's, what's unconscious and what is consciousness, you know, that kind of well, what's hidden behind the spotlight. So the sun is definitely a lot stronger in this new moon. And there's this sense that, I don't know, the, the brightness of who we are and what we're trying to shine into the world can really step forward and it kind of buries the unconscious voices that may come up and try to stop you. So those blocks aren't there as much because the, the sun is, is hiding that moon's energy in that way because the moon isn't as strong. Um, I do, with this new moon, I am looking at that trine to Mars, which the sun has just moved away from and we talked about at the end of that our last episode. So I think there will be a lot of the themes that we already talked to in that about confidence and boldness and courage and being able to step forward. And I think that adds to that freshness, that new start, because Mars in Aries can really help cut things or, or slice things away. So yeah, just using the fire as the crucible kind of burn the old stuff and have that fresh start from. Yeah. What about you gals? Yeah, I think a new moon in Leo is pretty uplifting and inspiring mm. like, all round. And even though we had that, you know, lovely kind of lunation last month with cancer, you know, obviously 
moon rules cancer, but it was opposing Saturn, so it did have a little bit of a Debbie Downer on it. But this one I think is definitely it's got that uplifting and inspiring um, element, and, you know, with that sort of sneaky Venus sextile kind of happening at the same time. I think this could kind of like maybe also be helpful to just maybe go out on a limb with something or try something different or new. It's, you know, plus the Mars uh, stuff you already mentioned, Leash, a little bit more boldness or actions, a little bit more oomph behind this lunation. So, you know, for some people that might sort of really help get you like out of a rut and while for others it might be a little bit too much or too much fire or, or too much, um, you know, heat. But I think, you know, if there is that, you know, you want to get inspired or get motivated to do something or even just to be, you know, I've been, I just seem to be getting all these like Leo type of clients in my practice right now. And, you know, one thing that keeps on coming up is, you know, don't look for the recognition or don't seek that. You already got it just because you are. Like the sun is always mm-hmm. going to shine be- just because it is, you know, whether it's pouring down with rain or it's overcast. You may not always be able to see it, but it's there. And I think sometimes that component of the sun just gets a little bit overlooked. Um, it shines simply just because it's there and whether people – we we it's like it's almost a, a heat and a light that we just take for granted like a couple of weeks ago in brisbane we had a kind of a like a what was a good week or so leashy where it was just pretty overcast and a bit rainy and it was, it was miserable. which is so unusual for here <laughs> oh. i was just thinking like that's i remember london days that's what london's like yeah. a lot of the time but for us in queensland it was like really yeah six and days yeah, and I think like this lunation can kind of help us bring back the sunshine somewhere in our life and like really own that kind of light or sovereignty mm. and that solidness that sometimes we sort of forget that Leo's fixed. So it's always there um, and just sort of, you know, let yeah let everything happen around you and you just be you because you're you. Like that's what I love about that new moon in Leo. It's that kind of resetting of, I wouldn't go so far to say individuality, although that is kind of that too, but just just sovereignty and solidness in your own heart and your own space and place in the world as well. So, yeah, that's what I'm taking away from this lunation at least anyhow. How about you, Love Kel? it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, the the sun and Leo, I guess the symbolism I always think of is like the steadiness. I think that's what you were talking about, Cass, the steadiness, the consistency, the reliability. Like the sun comes up every morning, it goes down every day. It's mm. this kind of enduring, ongoing quality. And then I think, well, the fire, because I think about – fire signs being visually oriented and how they have that sort of ability to see things or to kind of get a sense of where you want to go, that sort of vision or visual piece. And something about this new moon in Leo being totally unencumbered by some of the more heavy aspects or planetary placements that are in the sky right now, it's it's almost a chance to, to connect with that light or to find a way to you know, be in your essence and to find a little outlet for that somewhere in your life, like that, you know, connecting with sovereignty, if you like, or the the core, the, the realness of the, the genuine or authentic sort of version of who you are and bringing that forward in some capacity. 
not like you were saying, Cass, not in a way to brag or to gloat, but just in a way of like existing. Like I'm just mm. here, you know, I'm allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to to offer what I have. And I think there's this real sense of like the uplift, the confidence, the energy, the focus, and maybe a sense of like seeing where you want to get to. I keep mm. coming back to that light of the fire and, and, and the sun, but also that visual, because I think when we have yeah. something to focus on, when you know where you want to get to, it's very motivating and very encouraging. Yeah. Mm. When I think about Leo, I often think of, you know, when you have a campfire and there'll always be like that one person that's, I can light a fire and then comes the Aries and gets it started. And then, you know, the Sag will be off doing its thing. But it's like that Leo energy is the fire that when you wake up the next morning yes. and those those logs There's are still, heat. still like white still going. hot inside, yeah. you know. And I think it's that real enduring heat that lasts and there's somewhere in our charts and in our lives it's like where do we want to put a little bit of that enduring heat that's going to have a bit of longevity um, throughout, you know, the next little while. Yeah. Yeah. It's an analogy I use too. It's like the hearth fire that burns all night. And, you know, my Leo rising hubby is amazing at building He's really very good. good. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Kat, you can attest to that. Yeah, he knows exactly how to place what and where. And it actually, it's a right skill. now, he's out around a fire. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But there is that sense of the constancy and the longevity. And because this is, well, this is Mercury's wrapped up in this as well. This is just mm. past a Kazemi that's going to happen. So I think it's not just about our sense of self, but it's also expressing it, communicating it, speaking it out to others clearly too. So mm. performing, you know, um, being open and just willing to perform. Although, I don't know, I still think that trying to Mars, there's something about the ease of that and the impetuousness um, that may have a little bit of trickiness around it. The boldness oh, yes, may a be a little bit too there. bold. Yeah. yeah, and a little bit too daring. So, yeah, kind of rain, maybe rein it in a bit if the Aries is coming in too easily with that because trines are definitely easy, but it's easy good or easy tricky too. Yeah. The flow. Well, yeah. and um, speaking of Mercury, uh, Mercury is also on the move this week, uh, changing signs, coming out of Leo and moving into Virgo, which is where Mercury is going to spend a few weeks, one of its home signs. Uh, so I'm going to introduce myself talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, and then... Uh, you know, obviously you guys will talk about it too. Um, I really like Mercury in Virgo. I remember when we first learned from our original teacher, she called this the master analyst placement. Mm. And I find that to be so true. You know, if you have to buy technology devices or you have a really detailed editing or review or organizing thing to do, Mercury in Virgo is a great placement to help support that. If you're really focused on like a health or a wellness goal and you're getting into all the nitty gritty of maybe your macros or your calories, or you want to refine your exercise or wellness routine of some kind, Mercury in Virgo is like this great uh, placement for identifying small tweaks that can have a really big impact. And Mercury is really interesting because from a technical perspective, Mercury in Virgo is like 
the best, most dignified placement that any planet can have because Mercury is both in rulership and exalted in the sign of Virgo. Mm. And Mercury is the only planet that has rulership and exaltation in the same sign. It's a little bit of a, a weird quirk there. And so there's something, I always think about Mercury and Virgo as like applied logic or communication with a purpose. The idea of taking information or intelligence or ideas and creating really useful practical outcomes with that idea or that information. So I really look forward to that. Mercury moves into Virgo on August 19. It'll be August 20 if you're in Australia. And Mercury will be there for about two and a bit weeks until about September 5th. So he's uh, not moving as fast as he can, but we're going to get certainly a few weeks to help us kind of organize. And if you think about the Virgo part of your birth chart, the house topics where you have Virgo, this can be your once a year chance to maybe have some conversations about those topics in your life or even do some research and do that kind of organizing, streamlining. Uh, but what do you guys think about Mercury and Virgo? Do you like, do you, do you get excited for it? Do you like hate all the detail that it can kick up? Where are you at with it? You, you go, Lishi. <laughs> Okay, I'll go first. Um, yeah, sometimes the deed for me personally, the detail, like sometimes I like to gloss over those kind of things. Um, but, you know, whenever I want like an honest opinion from somebody about something, like I love the delivery of Mercury and Virgo. They're, you know, of course there's Mercury and Virgo, there's Mercury and Virgo, but it just in of itself from a technical perspective the critique that they give, it's like, how can we make this better? Totally. And that's like what I do enjoy about Mercury in Virgo. It's like, okay, because, you know, I have a lot of Gemini, so, you know, I could do things so fast. So what I do like is how this can slow you down a bit and like how could I, you know, maybe – edit this piece of writing better or, you know, do this thing a little bit better or how could I do a little bit more due diligence around something mm. where I may not, you know, like just give me the highlights or the details or the summary, whereas, you know, Virgo can help you kind of pull the pieces apart a little bit and make some improvements on that. And whenever it's almost like, you know, if you're going through the process of publishing something and you're working with an editor and, you mm. know, they can kind of go through that process of refinement that can make it like new and improved, but not yeah. necessarily changing anything. And I think that's what Mercury and Virgo can help us do is like, how can we just do the, you know, like, you know, when, um, like they, a company or a product might like update their formulas of something mm -hmm. and it's, they haven't changed it, but they might've even just prettied up the packaging, although that could be maybe more Venus and Virgo, but they've got, they might have a new and improved recipe or something along those lines. Yeah. And that's what kind of makes me think about Mercury and Virgo. Like how could we make what we've got, but a little bit better? Mm. Yeah. Obviously with the more Mercury, tone to it so but yeah no and I just like how this is just another level of dignity that we have to work with when it comes to doing elections right now which I feel yeah, like I'm doing totally. so many so it is like you know can we like either like benchmark it for around this time so it is a really good time if you're wanting to update your technology or getting the the next iPhone or Samsung or whatever your choice is or if you're wanting to you know um like 
as you said, Kel, purchase some technology or what have you, this would be a good time. Like, you know, do I buy this fridge or that TV or, you know, start kind of like going through the specs of things because, like, I was looking at fridges recently and, oh, my God, it's so complicated now. Yes. And, you know, you know, and then I went into JB Hi-Fi a little while ago looking at TVs and I just got blurted out all this data and I'm like, oh, oh, that one looks good. And, um, yeah, (laughs) I know I've just had a liver. I I was like, oh, my God, I need to – I was like, oh, back up. I actually need to maybe do some research about this. And so, again, this is your great time to be like, okay, um, on my list I might need to update this, I need to fix that or I need to do that and now like figure out, okay, well, like do I do the this 4K thing or this like, I don't know, all the things, it was just too much. <laughs> it's so. a lot. I remember when we were buying a dishwasher a few years ago, um, you know, we went to the, you know, appliance store and we're looking and we're just like, okay, that looks like it's in our price range, just regular price. And the sales assistant comes over and they're like, so what else do you need your dishwasher to do like in addition to washing the dishes? And we're like, um, nothing. It just needs to wash the dishes. Because <laughs> there's all these like bells and whistles, you know, it can have like a garburator or something and there's all these other things. I'm like, no, as long as it washes the dishes, it will have achieved its purpose. Um, but so Cass, you're kind of saying like the Mercury and Virgo it's really about making processes and systems super efficient, isn't it? It's mm. like how can we, like when the formulas and things change, they're like, well, we've realised we can actually use a smaller percentage of this active ingredient and still get the same result or this other ingredient is going to do a better result than the one we were previously using. So it's all of those refinements mm. that are like better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And your Mercury and Virgo can really, you know, as you already said, like you know, anything – to do with Virgo can be like, you know, let's shave off a bit of the processed food or let's shave off a little bit of the alcohol on the weekends, you know, again, to that idea of like refinement and perfection or improving. So whether that's the the mental capacity or whether that's the physical um, or your home environment, you know, or, you know, whatever house rules Virgo for you might be the area where you want to get into a little bit more of a a nitty-gritty detail. Leash, How about your leash? What are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell Mercury's moved into a mutable sign then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, leash. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the two signs that Mercury rules are both mutable signs. But I think one of the things I like is the – I always use the analogy of uh, extra virgin olive oil, because whenever we go back to Israel, like, if we tell time me more about how right, this links to Mercury and Virgo, <laughs> I love my mind it. Is <laughs> <laughs> whenever we go back to Israel, if we time it right, it's olive picking season and olive pressing season, and it's this is one of the things about Virgo. It can be seeking that perfection, that mm. you know, overdoing things, like all the data you were talking about, Cass do we need it all? You know, do we need, and this is the thing with the the press in the oil. It's actually the first press that is the one that's most prized because it still has the juice and the rawness of the olives in it. Mm. You keep pressing for different things. And, you know, especially if you're frying, you want things that are more pure and more purified. But one of the things I see about Virgo is it knows what to use when. 
Mm. It knows which one for salads, extra virgin olive oil. It knows which ones for frying, you know, which ones for shallow frying, which ones for deep frying. It can do all the pressing, but it's the analysis and the dissemination of mm. being able to use all of them. And I think that's one thing I, I'm constantly reminding Virgo clients is all processes are good. It's You can use them all. And sometimes you don't need to write a Pulitzer Prize winning piece of writing. You know, sometimes it just is the first thing that comes out is the thing that has the most. Mm. But it's the ability to sit back with it and go, and this is where Virgo's awesome because it is that earth. It can sit back, get grounded, get practical and go, right, is this what is needed right now or do I need to refine it a bit more? Do I need to make it a little bit more concise? Uh, do I need to disseminate it a bit more? Or is it just perfect for this as it is? So I think that's Love my it. little Virgo. Love it. Yeah, I, th- I think the only thing I was like, oh, just to counterbalance all these fabulous things that we're all saying about Mercury in Virgo, um, the, the, I was like, what's the downside of Mercury in Virgo? Mm. And I was like, so Virgo, an excess of Virgo, especially Mercury there, can be overthinking to the point of not being able to sleep or obsessing about perfection. So that idea yeah. of paralysis by analysis, like Mercury in Virgo can get so, like, as you said, Leish, like you're doing all the details, but do you need all of that information or like can you just pick the dishwasher? that washes the dishes or the TV that that plays a TV show, you know, like does it need all those extra things? So there's a little bit of that caution about are we going to be too in our heads? And it's just the fine line between technically this is a very good Mercury placement so we can do some really clear thinking and practical decision-making or well-researched choices that we can make, but we just want to like take that care that we don't get so stuck in our little brains that we are staying up at night worrying about something that in the grand scheme of things is not, you know, going to have a big impact. Yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah, I see they're... like, sorry, there you go. No, you go, Kat. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I guess to you know, go into the negative of this. You know, some people that I know that have Mercury in Virgo, like sometimes, you know, it almost feels like when you're talking with them, having a conversation, you're not always getting like the instinctual response. Like you're getting Mm. that filter refined, that that reserved and refined. And you can almost see like the cogs turning between the filter between brain and tongue and there's this part of me is just like come out with it just what is what is the thing you know um because they're just always kind of doing that like mental process because they're thinking one step ahead how is it how are these words going to land and Mm. of course there are times where that strategic approach can be to your benefit like if you get pulled over the side of the road by cops or something. You might want to be thinking about what your next uh, words are going to be. But, you know, in the, when you're having a heart-to-heart with somebody or you're wanting to have a really, you know, honest conversation with someone you really care about, sometimes you do want that more um, uh, impulsive response, that pure response rather than like the sometimes polished, I think there's, a di- like, there's a difference between yeah. like pure and there's a difference between refined and mm. if it's over-refined, it no longer feels mm. pure. Like yeah, processed yeah. food, right? It's the ingredients are still pure, but they're refined to the point where they're no longer identifiable. Like recognisable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, it's finding that that happy medium, I guess. Although you're going to say with something, Mars Lishi? in Aries, oh, just 
following on from what you were saying with Mars in Aries, like maybe this filter of Mercury in Togo is really needed right now (laughs) because like it'll be interesting to see. We're recording this in advance, of course, with Mercury going through Leo at the moment, trining that Mars in Aries, there's going to be a lot of stuff just coming out. So maybe this is the point where people kind of bring the filter back in because it's needed. Well, Mercury in Virgo is definitely going to think before it speaks. For sure. So two quickies. Mercury is going to make two really positive or good aspects, I would say. Um, A trine to Uranus around August 25th and a trine to Jupiter um, around August 29th. There's just two really nice days to do some Mercury stuff. Um, And actually, Cal, just to add to that too, that same day, just as it enters Virgo, it will conjunct Regulus. So that's a really nice, like if you do want to do something good about communication, especially like shining yourself out there, use, uh, so this is happening, it's the 20th here in Australia. So that's the 19th of August in the rest of the world. In Canada and the States, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, Yeah. Yay. And Leash, you were um, talking about Mars in Aries, which I think Cass is going to chat a little bit about Mm -hmm. um, Mars squaring Saturn, which is definitely a signature aspect of this last two weeks of August. So how long have we got here? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just the usual time. We're not doing an extended length show. I know. We can all talk about this one for, you know, a long time. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the process of, but by the time this um, episode shows out. is released. Yeah. It'll be on my website. But I've had a lot of people ask me, like, I guess, tips for surviving this aspect because whether you're, like, no astrology or whether you don't, I feel like collectively there is this, I'm going to say, impending doom, you know. it, um, And we are sort of revisiting territory that we passed through earlier this year. So I guess like we've got Mars, who's very impulsive, Aries. It wants, you know, I talk around like Mars is going to Mars, regardless of what sign it's in. It's going to want to do Marsy things. So Mars and Aries happy. Then we've got Saturn in in Capricorn, also happy, but a very different energy there. And I think like you know Mars and Saturn, it's sort of like you know Mars wanting to go fast, clashing against like a brick wall, and so this can be an energy where you know, all of these desires, goals, impulses that maybe you've been building up and working towards since Mars went into Aries back in the end of June, then all of a sudden you hit that roadblock or that obstacle or that um, proverbial brick wall and you just kind of go, oh, shy, like, you know, what happened and what have you. So it can kind of be, you know, that sense of, you know, impending doom, feeling like the sky is going to fall down or things are really hard. And I think, like, um, it reminds me that there's a lot of songs that I could say that this and probably my whole music genre is Mars Satin. But, you know, one song that I'm sure maybe, maybe show my age, but remember that song, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Mm, yeah. And yeah. I think, what was his name? Lionel, was it Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie. Was it Lionel okay, Was it? Okay. I remember it was like Danny DeVito and like some other guy. Was it Arnie? Was that that movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, twins um, or something? Twins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God. It's Billy Ocean. Oh it's God. Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. Isn't it Billy Ocean? Yeah. I was like, that's not a lie. 
Only you because I, I really like Lionel Googling. Richie music. I'm like, I don't think that's a Lionel song. Um, yeah. When yes, the, and Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. He also did that, like, Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into, dreams my, into my Car. car. <laughs> yeah, my brother loved that song. Oh, my God. But anyway, oh my God. it's a bit more like nice Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going way back into the 80s there. That might have I been love on the it. Choose. Remember the Choose 85 album where we all had those fluoro T-shirts, yes. Choose 85? Oh, my God. <laughs> I do not remember this. Um, we are the youngest of the three of us. That's true. And I was probably in Fiji at the time. So. Yeah. Oh, I had my and the fluoro socks and stuff. Anyway, girls, we were like totally. I love our conversation here. Yeah, Kat, Kel, you would have been way too young. Yeah, um, I'm like, thinking about how old you would have been. <laughs> uh, I mean, in 1985, I was like five and yeah. a half or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where I was nine. I remember stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You I guys, like I mean, we're all born in the 70s, but, you know, at different parts of the 70s. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, Mars Saturn. Okay, back, like back to the when tough. When the going gets tough, tough the, the tough get going. going. Okay. And I think, like, it really will feed back into the whole night chart, day chart thing. Are you going to take, like, you're going to be on Team Saturn or are you going to be on Team Mars? Because the, the roadblock that Saturn can provide under this aspect can be debilitating it can be too hard you could stop short of a goal that you've been working towards or driving towards you know sometimes people do quit at the first sign of um adversity or hardship or what have you whereas other people are just kind of like yeah you know come at me bro like they just thrive on that um you know the challenge or the hardship that Saturn can provide and you know that that idea of wanting to overcome an obstacle or wanting to Mm. overcome something very heavy so I think like you know if you know if we have to really kind of give credence to one planet over the other you know it's a little bit tough but I would probably give it to Saturn because I think it might have been Jessica Lanyardo, like maybe on the Astro Twitter, which I never really uh, tap into, um, said one time if in a game of rock, paper, scissors, the rock always wins, you know, and that would be Saturn and also Saturn being in that superior position. So, you know, I think there's a, um, you know, it can sort of feel like there's a massive hurdle or a massive undertaking or something that felt like a good idea with Mars and Aries, like, yeah, I can do this. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, shite, I've got myself in quite deep or I've bitten off more than I can chew or there's more responsibility or challenge here than I initially kind of thought. So, you know, and this isn't the first time um, that we're going to be having this aspect because it will happen again at the end of September when Mars is retrograde. So there is this sort of like it's not just like a one-hit wonder. It is something that's going to be permeating, you know, pretty much this um, the next month, this, this energy. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it actually, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who are not. Um, what are your girls' thoughts about it? Because I could honestly talk about this till midnight. I know, but me too. <laughs> I have my sat natally, so this is my world. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so I many def- things with this one. There's so, so many things, yeah. and I think you make a beautiful point, Cass, about day charts versus night charts. So. Mm. According to the Hellenistic doctrine of sect, daytime charts tend to do better with Saturn stuff and um, nighttime charts tend to struggle more with Saturn stuff. So given that Saturn is probably like the winner in this, well, I mean, there's a few technical reasons where I think Saturn, 
you know, Mars has to do what Saturn says here, basically. And so if you're born at nighttime, you might feel some of that heaviness or that restraint or that delay or that frustration more acutely or in a way that feels more like you're being delayed. Whereas if you're a day chart person, which I am and my husband is, we're both born right around sunrise. So our charts are like functionally day charts. I've actually been embracing the idea of restraint. Like we've both kind of independently come up with these two to three month kind of projects. Um, Some of it's to do with health and fitness. We both have put on some pandemic pounds that we're wanting to reduce. And I'm like, Saturn's actually really good for reducing. Um, You know, key Saturn words like restraint or reduce. Um, the other thing is we've, we've chosen to, you know, just really kind of nest at home in the next couple of months. I'm also doing this big decluttering project that I've wanted to do for a while. So it's this all idea of like consolidation and pairing back. And a lot of this has sort of evolved organically, but I'm like, this is so Mars square Saturn where it's like, let's just consolidate. Let's choose restraint. Let's kind of welcome a restriction to pare down or to um, kind of get back to basics, which I think is yeah. one of the best things that Saturn can offer us. You know, like we, we sort of said, well, let's not do any travel. And, and we sort of like, we may not be able to, but even if we could, we've sort of said we don't want to do any in the next couple of months and want to focus on a few more practical things. So it's like welcoming those limits and restrictions. I know not everyone will have the choice or the the privilege or the ability to do that, mm-hmm. but I think when you're in a position where you can choose to scale back, and once I think that's really a great way of using this Mars square Saturn aspect. Um, Cass, you made a couple of other points that this aspect is happening again at the end of September. The way I've interpreted it, it kind of doesn't really stop. Like it has these two exact points, one on August 24th and one in late September, but they never actually get far enough apart for it to really go away as a vibe. And that's why when I say we've got these two to three month projects, we're trying to kind of carry that energy through over the next few months. Um, And then something else you said, Cass, was like, you know, if you're really trying to do something with that Mars in Aries, one thing I've, you know, everyone knows that I'm working on a book right now and my publisher has come in and cracked the whip a little bit, which I needed. And I'm really happy about that. But I'm like, oh, it is, if I need to do this, I'm actually going to have to cut back on more things than I thought. Mm. Like I'm really going to have to be like all of that other stuff gets pushed and all getting pushed until after the Mars square set. And so I can just focus on you know, one important thing, if you like. So it's all of that energy about Saturn and priorities and where is your time going and how are you going to put one or two things in the center and everything else just off your Mm. plate for a period of time. Not forever, but just for a period of time. So that's a little bit more like... Yeah, there is a quality here. Like I see Mars is very sacrificial. It's Mm. a very sacrificial planet. Like you might have to you know, whatever it is in order to achieve a goal, you have to cut something away, Mm, whether it's mm -hmm. social time, whether it's, you know, finances, you know, there's achieving goals is often done alone at some level or done as a solo project. Even if it's a team thing, you've got to do it your share on your own. So there's a sense of having to make a sacrifice or cut something out. And when I think about, um, you know, and then the Saturn piece, it's like you're having to, again, show that constraint or restraint or reduction there. So it is kind of 
very thin on the ground. It's very barren. It's like there's no real flesh on the bones here in terms of what you've got to work with. So it is really kind of like that nose to the grindstone and burying things down. Um, and what I have found myself saying to people is, uh, this, I know I've said this before on the show, but it's like, okay, decide what you want. Decide what that thing is and narrow in your energy and focus mm. because if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes a sacrifice and, you know, Saturn is going to, you know, everything comes out in the wash when it comes to Saturn. And so you don't want to get to the end of this cycle and realise, oh, I should have made decisions back then that I'm now maybe paying the price for or having to deal with now. So just, you know, something to keep in mind. Because, you know, 2020 has just had such a huge, you know, Mars-Saturn uh, influence. You know, a lot of, like big, like nine months of this year has is pretty much Mars-Saturn energy. Mm. Mm. Leash, what are your thoughts? I know we're having a bit yes, of immutable. Yes, your thoughts. Um, we could, we could <laughs> talk about this forever. I know. Um, it's one of yeah. my favourites. I think um, I totally agree with everything both of you were saying. The, one of the things I want to point out with this as well is that Mars is, is at a third of its normal speed as well when it comes up and meets Saturn in this. Mm. So it's like the warrior who kind of is trying to run into battle and can't because he's limping or because his gear's holding him down. Like yeah. I was, I wrote a blog about this last week and I was using that similar analogy, Cass, of a car hitting a wall, but at least it's a slower car than Mars normally would be. And there's time to kind of put the brakes on as you approach that wall and work out quick, get the harness on, get the get the seatbelt on, the, the thing that creates safety and, and caution to put ourselves in there. And like I... I, I do think there's great parts about this aspect, um, like everything both of the two of you were describing, but I think the reality of this is that any impetuous decisions, any impulsiveness, you know, the buffet of crazy I've talked about before, mm. the reality of that is going to hit at this time. And then Mars is slowing down. There is this feeling of frustration, of impatience, and I'm talking a lot about anger with this placement too mm. of what boils up from underneath, you know, what are you having to face, you know, embracing your anger where that's telling you where you need to put boundaries in place, where you're not correctly accessing your assertion, um, not putting yourself forward. And there is that, I don't know, with the, with the retrograde and we'll get more into this um, next episode, I'm guessing. In September but, when Mars goes retrograde in Aries. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. But it is that, you know, exactly what both of you are saying, really having to slice away what's not important. You know, if, if you find yourself eating at that buffet of crazy, go, right, I'm just going to take two things from this buffet and walk away. And I'm going to sit down with this plate and enjoy the meal of what I've got right here, rather than trying to put way too much in that typical Mars in Aries fashion onto my plate to do. And I think what I'm really counselling clients to do is to lower their expectations of themselves, mm. of what they can achieve, of not taking on everything, but doing a couple of things really well, really putting their focus and their energy and their drive into that. Because I see it like, you know, a a stallion that's been a bit wild and a bit free has now been um, harnessed to a cart, you know, and it's a it's a cart that's heavy, um, but it can really do some good work with the stallion on it. So 
if we can use the two of them together, which is pretty much what you've both been describing, we can get a lot done, but it's just knowing the speeds will be way less than we're used to. And there's only so much we can, I don't know, just take the expectations of of ourselves of exactly what we can do. Yeah, I think I'm thinking about all the different things each of us have touched on with this aspect. I'm like, we're really just doing like satin transit interpretation stuff here. Like these are all really great tips and pieces of advice when you're in a satin transit. You know, if satin, we're talking specifically about satin Mars because that's the astro weather, um, mm. second half of August and into September. But everything that you, you guys have both said and the points that I was making, these are things that we say to clients all the time when they're in a personal satin transit transit, like go Mm. slower, do the important things first. One of the things, the keywords that I think doesn't get talked about enough with satin is this idea of clarity. You know, satin really helps you get clear on what is actually important because he can sometimes make us feel pressured for time or overwhelmed. And I always say, if you feel like that in the middle of a big Saturn activation, Saturn's not trying to punish you, but it may be that you think things that are important to you and you're giving them time and energy. When if you go, if you, if you pause and you reflect and you sit with it, no, that's not actually important after all. So I don't need to put my time towards it. And as soon as you make that clarity and that choice, then you mm. have more time for the people or the projects or the priorities that really do, that really are important. Um, yeah, good point, Kel. And I think one other thing too is the dryness of these two meeting each other as well. So you know, you've got a cold, dry planet, a hot, dry planet in a hot, dry and cold, dry signs. So there may be quite a bit of moisture needed, quite literally, physically, lots of water, yeah, moisturising, like, As you said that, I've just been foods. massaging my skin, <laughs> like putting like this really deep cleansing or deep um, nourishing cream on my arm. But yeah. oh, yeah, that's a really good point, Lisa. We'll need to hydrate more. Yeah. Um, but also I'm like, okay, what is an excess of dryness? An excess of dryness is separative. It's clarifying. Mm-hmm. It gives mm-hmm. space and distance, which can sometimes be isolating, but it can also allow for perspective and like, you know, take a step back and get clear. That's something that, you know, dryness can really bring. Mm. Um but yeah, when there's an X, it's going to be interesting. Oh my God, we could keep talking about this, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're probably Whole like, I know, we, yeah, probably yeah. getting long in the tooth in terms of our time. <laughs> we are, I know, we have to. Okay, so next aspect, which is going to bring, um, is it going to, it is going to bring a little bit of moisture, speaking yes. of dryness, switching to moisture. Um, yes. Leash, you're going to tell us about Venus in Cancer opposing Jupiter in Capricorn. Yes, because I wanted to bring a bit of good news story to end out all the everything we've been talking about with Mars Saturn. And look, you know, I just, this is the two benefics and we've got Venus, you know, this is my advice to a lot of people right now is with the Mars, with the Saturn, turn to Venus, you know, do your Venus rituals, do your Venus things. And with her opposition to Jupiter, this is going to expand on all of that bring in that ability to really bring the coolness and the wetness that, um, especially the wetness, because these two signs, although Jupiter's in a cold, dry sign, but the, yes. she, it still has some wetness. There's a bit and the and Venus does too. So where can you come back to your emotions in a cool, clear way? And I, I think I using the analogy of higher emotions, 
And these are emotions like forgiveness and compassion and, you know, deep love and, and empathy, those things that are cool, that are not heated, that are not kind of throwing things out there. That's, I really feel what the capacity of Venus has in these situations, Venus in Cancer. So there's this definite sense of coming back to what's comfortable and coming back to the slow, cautious wisdoms that Jupiter in Capricorn can bring, but Venus can balance with, okay, we need to bring in the slow, the cautious and the rational, but let's add some logic. Let's add some care. Let's add some compassion to it both. So there is that kind of balance of the two together to help harmonize the frustration and the deep, well, yeah, the frustration, the impatience and the potential anger that's coming up under the the Mars Saturn square. So yeah. What about you girls? Cass? Yeah, I think with these two, you know, we've got kind of the two like least helpful planets and then the two most helpful planets are kind of, you know, both individually doing their thing. And I sort of think that maybe Jupiter and Venus kind of working together, you know, in this way might just help give a little bit of a boost or a support around the hard work or the hard efforts that you might be putting in under the Mars-Saturn energy. Um, And with the sort of real dry, separative quality of Mars and Saturn working together, and then we've got Jupiter and Venus coming to the party, it might help you get clear about maybe, you know, what do I need to be nurturing? Where do I need to be, um, you know, getting more support in my world where do I no longer want to do everything alone or being alone or having to you know I get this you know there's like feeling like there's an opening for support or some kind of nurturing or care um you know we might just kind of get get or give help or support to somebody else that might be really suffering or might be really finding the Mars Saturn stuff all too much or too hard Mm. um you know, and this just might be just a nice, you know, maybe just a nice social lubricant in the sense of like where things are kind of tough. This little just might be a little bit of sugar on top, you know, to maybe just take the pressure off and enjoy yourself a little bit or connect with something that kind of just uplifts or inspires you or connect to what counts and, you know, maybe just kind of remember the reason why we're all doing what we're doing, you know, and and it is about that care and support. So um, the Venus and Cancer, that nurturing what matters with Jupiter and Capricorn. So what do you think about it, Kel? Yeah, I I just... Yeah, go. Sorry, I just wanted to add in one point to what you were saying, Cass, because I really really like what you're saying and there is that whole thing about, you know, re-entering potentially COVID. I've been talking to some friends in Melbourne and they're saying they're remembering, they're actually quite enjoying going back to it. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, they can't do everything, but they're remembering the joys of just being with family, just being at home, just doing the things that are comfortable and not being back out in the crazy world again. So it just reminded me a lot of what you were Mm. saying. No, that's beautiful, Lisa, because I think, no, no, that's kind of like my first key words for this aspect is like family stories or family history. Like Venus in Cancer really has such a strong focus on the family unit or the home environment, you know, and I know not everyone has a positive family history, for instance, but I think with Venus in Cancer and Jupiter and Capricorn, understanding 
what the family history is or the family lineage is. There's something in that. I know that's been a theme that's kind of been rolling around a bit this year, but it feels like that'll be around for this. Um, and Cass, you, yeah, you were saying like we have Mars square Saturn August 24th and then Venus opposite Jupiter on August 25th. Um, I think Venus Jupiter might be the 26th in Australia. Maybe Mars Saturn is like the, it's like August 24th, 25th if you're in Canada 26th. and the States and then 25th, yeah. 26th if you're in Australia. So it is yeah. kind of weird to have both of them together because Venus is very much about connection, especially in a water sign. She's looking, she's really like a very wet mm. placement. She's looking to bond and to bind together. Venus Jupiter, I always see as unreciprocated generosity. And it's the idea of being generous, not always receiving back and sometimes being so generous that, you know, it can be overwhelming when somebody gives you something and it's like, oh my God, that's just too much. But it's it's still, you know, sort of there's a loveliness to it, even if with the opposition aspect, maybe you've just gone a little bit over the top. It's not a negative. Like I think the idea of generosity, giving, sharing, supporting is a wonderful thing. And we might not do it in the most perfect way, but I think it's always better to do that than to not do that. That's maybe just a little bit of my personality. Um, so there is that spirit to what you were saying, Cass, around support or helping others or um, amplifying, you know, somebody that you'd love to, you know, help out or that you feel could you know, use a boost if that's what it is, sharing your wisdom. But there is something about like a, a piece of positive news or a, a welcome connection or development, I think, in a partnership or with another person that can come out of this Venus-Jupiter. Um, yeah. Even if it's that sort of we're flagging it for the future because we can't do it now because, you know, hello COVID, yeah. but we've made a connection of some kind that's got mm. promise and potential for the future. Yeah. Yeah, and it has that feeling because it's the opposition. It might not be somebody who's on your side or necessarily in your corner, but you can connect with anyway, you know, because of this. It's like there's something that the two of you see. Um, I was listening to a podcast today talking about the importance of not sitting in just your bias and not sitting in just your group of friends. Like right now we need to kind of have that inclusivity and, and bring different people who are different together so that we can understand more as a human race rather than just these isolated circles that we're starting to, not starting to, that we're living in due to the way mm. social media works. And so the importance of that, you know, kind of finding some kind of connection with somebody who's not exactly on your wavelength. Mm. Beautiful. So I know mm. this has been a full episode. We've gone a little over our usual session length, but a lot to talk about in the second half of August. Um, what do you girls have coming up in this time frame? Anything you want to share with our listeners or let them know about? Um, I've got my new, new moon in Leo um, workshop that's available. That'll be available already for download for anyone. So um, yeah, a lot of people have really loved the new format. Thanks everyone who gave me some great feedback. So yeah, pop on my website to download that and get going with this exciting new moon. What about you gals? Cass? Uh, yeah, I'll be doing a, another webinar in my monthly series. Uh, that'll probably be, I've actually like officially figured out the date, but it'll either be the Thursday, the 20th or 27th uh, Australian time. And that'll be part two of my terms and bounds. So there's just so much we can uh, work with. So uh, there was the part one in the series and we'll be doing part two later this month. Cool. Excellent. Exciting. 
Um, I've just, what I think as you? this, yeah, as this episode goes live, I'll have just done my latest webinar on 12th house planets. So the recording for that will now be available for download over on my website at kellysastrology.com and other websites, alishayusuf.com and cassandratindall.com to find out more about all of us. If you like the show. And I'm sure Gian's doing yeah. some ex- ex- cool little uh, stuff on our video yeah, right our now. Yeah, our wonderful so. sound engineer uh, is amazing. Uh, yeah, so if you like the show, uh, hit the button to subscribe, click like, leave us a comment below. That all helps other people find out about the show. Uh, but otherwise, I guess we'll say thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.